to my podcast, Esteemed Women. It used to be called Silence, then became Innovation, and finally women are now more empowered than ever to use their voices to express what it's really like to strive and thrive in what tends to be a very imbalanced and unequal world. I'm sure it hasn't been easy, but these women have achieved and accomplished. They're truly esteemed women who have chosen careers in science, technology, and innovation. They're typically go-getters, alpha females, hardworking, and maybe even a little bit perfectionistic. But on the whole, they've applied their talents and skills to make a difference. That was certainly my intention when working as a mechanical engineer and fluid dynamicist. In these episodes, you'll get a chance to hear about some fascinating innovations, but you're also likely to be inspired and uplifted by the personal stories and experiences of my guests. So let's hear it for my STEM sister, an incredibly esteemed woman, Chinwe Adoli. Hello and welcome to the podcast version of my vodcast, Esteemed Women, where we get to hear stories and experiences of incredible women from diverse backgrounds and perspectives in science and technology. Conversations in this series give us a real insight into some fascinating innovations, but we also get to find out how successful women in STEM thrive in male-dominated professions. Here on Esteemed Women, I give my guests a platform to be seen and heard, and honestly, every single episode is inspiring and uplifting, because we hear about what they've learned along their life's journeys, both personally and professionally. This week, I talked to Dr. Kat Gardner, a combustion experimentalist. Um, I am Chinri Odderley. Um, I am an engineer by background. In particular, I am a civil engineer and I actually work in the offshore structures industry. Um, so as an offshore structural engineer by background. I don't meet too many engineers that look like you, first of all, being mm. uh, Do you mm. find that in your industry? A hundred percent. Um, there are barely any males at all. Um, um, black females, I mean, sorry, <laughs> barely any black females at all. That's predominantly males within our industry. Um, within my office, um, there are only two females in the Perth office and in the London office. Um, there are only around two female or three female engineers and the others are naval architects. So it, it is pretty daunting being um, one of the few. And why did you choose Sybil? Like what drew you? So I have a fascination since I was little. I really love Legoland and building things um, and understanding how things work. Um, I read this book and I think this is what really convinced me to go into engineering other than going to a theme park. Um, it was a book called To Engineer as Human by Henry Petrotsky. And he basically broke down the fundamental elements of what engineering is um, within a context of to engineer is human. I mean, everyone engineers to an extent. Um, engineer um, is actually a Latin term. And I, I really do think it means to solve a problem and so I was always like a problem solver we had family games nights um we would play games where we would build structures with lego and who can do it fastest without looking at the manual and so then I just got really excited about solving problems in the real world too and I'm actually in my evenings I, I love to draw I love to look at spatial awareness and so that, that kind of architectural element and design element featured in my kind of mathematical abilities as well so I thought okay both could actually be coincident and that can happen in the structural industry or the engineering world so I decided to become an engineer. So I think when you have a fascination with things like that the immediate next thought is okay I need to be good at maths and physics mm. um, in order to get into university to study civil engineering um your mm. path yes it was slightly and I say that so in a levels I did further maths maths chemistry physics and latin um and I guess I, I know this latin seems like it's so out of context as well by the way and I'll explain that later but I did like physics a lot and I I still found a lot of engineers did not do physics but were able to very well 
do an engineering degree in civil engineering because the physics that we are learning, I would say at A-level on projectiles and speeds was not equivalent to the type of engineering you actually practice in industry or you learn in university and that kind of physics. Instead, you're learning statics and um, quite simple formulaic equations that are, I'd say were simpler than A-level. So you have a lot of people that have actually taken the route to bypass physics and purely are pretty good at maths and maybe um, design and spatial awareness and, and take on engineering. So I now don't think I and what's what's terrible is I went in with a very kind of narrow minded view that you must be good at physics and you must be good at maths um, in order to accelerate in an engineering career and I will say you do need maths it's it's fundamental <laughs> but physics um, the kind of physics that you learn I would say within higher education going on to university is very different than the kind of basic physics and mechanics that you learn whilst you're doing your A-levels. So I feel like there is, people should not create these barriers to entry because there's a p potential for, for anyone to go into engineering. This is why you find a lot of apprentices le learn um, as per on the job. And it's really important that you learn on the job because Industrial engineering is nothing like the engineering theory and principles you'll be learning in uni. There are all these terms, there's jargon, um, your variables change, your boundary conditions change, it's real life. So there should not be an expectancy to have the world look like it does in a textbook because it's not like that at all. And there needs to be further conversations between hiring committees, I would say, in the engineering industry and um, those that are in higher education so that they can really map out their structure within the within the um, education system and tailor it closer to what it looks like in industry because I really had to ask when I was doing kind of theoretical principles and examinations if it reflects on what I'd be doing every single day and it does not and now that I'm in a position where I hire people I'm very much about are you able to mold yourself within the career industry it's not do you know the theory do you know the principles it's are you able to use those basic elements in theory and apply them in a really weird and bizarre setting um because this the conditions change and i think that there need to be further conversations with industry and the people that they're employing because graduates and their know-how is absolutely nothing when they enter in and it's because these conversations have not been had um, you just get in and you're so lost, you know, these principal engineers and these project engineers and technical assurance leads and authorities will be speaking in this meeting with your client with jargon that you have absolutely no idea about. And if our university degrees were more tailored to industry, then it would be so much easier to mold us in and it, the barriers to, en to entry would not be as high as they are now within this economic crisis anyway, within the UK. So, um, yeah, sorry, I went on a bit of a tangent, but <laughs> I it's hope an, I... It's an interesting subject because um, the word engineer encompasses so much. Um, so much. And I think it includes uh, so many ideas that it's kind of off-putting because if someone mm. is considering a career in engineering, they kind of don't know where to start. Um, yeah. So Maybe some people are just kind of going up. Oh, there's too much to think about. I'm going to just go and do something else, you know, be an accountant or something. I don't know. Yeah, um, I, I think so as well. Yeah, I agree with that. It looks a bit scary. Yeah, really. Um, but like, do you, what, what's your daily life? like an engineer like what what it's so interesting that you'd ask me that yeah what would it be like so a typical day there is no typical day days constantly change especially within the offshore engineering industry there is always some dare i say it some kind of storm or disaster or cyclone or some set of calculations that needs to change or an assessment or moving from project to project it's highly dynamic and I would say that, but that's not the case for every single engineering industry, you know, 
that you go into because prior to me being in the offshore industry I would say that I was a little bored as an engineer I was designing standard house types onshore it was the same house every single time same calculations no changes whereas now that I've been pretty settled in the offshore industry I can say that no two days are the same one day might involve you writing up a technical report after you've done loads of assessments another day might be that you've got a site visit and you're actually on site and um, you actually have to go in and, and inspect the things that you designed for which is really interesting but one other day might look like being with the innovate team which is um a team championed by um by matt parker whereby we come together to talk about STEM and talk about retention engineering and visit parliament. Like every single day is completely dynamic and it's what you make of it. Um, especially, I would say, it depends more so on your resourcing team. We have a fantastic resourcing team in Kent, which means that you get the opportunity to rotate around different projects. So one project might be very tailored to lots of written work. and But another project might be that you're actually doing live assessments and using really cool software. Um, and others might just be conceptual. So you actually have to come up with a concept and just map out and start drawing. And, and you'll probably be in some meeting room with an, an old principal engineer who's trying to think about what he did in 1972 or 1982 <laughs> for a platform and is like, let's do something different. Um, every single day is so different and so dynamic. Um, but I think it also depends on the scale of the project. If you're on a project that changes um, very quickly and has loads of mini scopes, one day might look like written work, another day might look like actually designing things for hours um, and going to offices or being seconded out here to Australia. I mean, I've had a fantastic, I've been to Rotterdam in the past, I've been to Berlin in the past, and now I'm here in Australia. You really do get to travel, explore, see the world and see your structures for what they are. Um, and it means that there's just so much potential to understand different cultures as well, because no two engineers are the same. Um, and there's this, this is what I really want to kind of distill and enlighten people with, because there's this assumption that every engineer is probably, um, they have some neurological problem <laughs> whereby they don't speak and they just are so cooped up in their rooms and they do maths equations and are, and, and it's nothing I, I, it's beyond that. Um, I find that the engineers within my team especially are really unique and really diverse and are able to take simple concepts at home that are just so fundamental and, and so weird and apply them in the office. And so I think every single day is very different. It could be calculation-based. It could be design-based. It could be a client meeting somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Um, or it could just be you having a nice site visit and exploring the world. So an engineer is not boring by no stretch of the imagination. So so while you're describing all that, the thing that comes up in my head is confidence. It's yeah, really need a lot of confidence to mm. do what you do. How have you... Um, dealt with your levels of confidence because you know mm. on first impressions you seem like a very confident woman um mm -hmm. about your journey with that confidence is very hard to build um and especially within a, a safety oriented industry which means it's a very mm. competency-based industry and it means it takes time really to to tick off a load of attributes before you can excel I would say in for instance banking it's very easy to tick off a few steps before you're an associate or before you're a senior associate and you know it's very different you build confidence based on doing based on practice based on time um, you're sure that once you've done something so many times before it's a lot easier to apply it to new principles I would not say i I was as confident in my first year of going into engineering. The jargon's all scary. Everything is different. Anything you learn theoretically or in principle in um, university, 
um, is now here in real life and you have to apply it. You have to visually see things that you haven't seen before and develop a kind of confidence in a boardroom full of white, old, <laughs> you know, 60-year-old engineers, um, all male by practice, and be able to say, um, let, let's do this design differently, can we? Um, I will not say that then within my first few months of being within the industry, it was easy to do so. I needed to practice. I needed to read. I needed to develop. I needed to see the same problem in different circumstances before I could make suggestions for repair options, before I could look at something differently. Um, it takes time. Engineering is very much about time and practice, um, which is... and. To be honest with you, you have a lot of lives in the palm of your hands. One mistake, which is why we have safety factors, which is why we design according to standards and codes and best practice. It's because lives are at stake. We, we are engineering um, engineering to solve one of the biggest problems of our time, which is you know climate change, which means that there are a lot of lives in, at stake here. And so one tiny mistake could cause a fatal collapse. And so it's important for you to also, as an engineer, judge your own confidence. Sometimes step back and say, which I do do regularly, I'm confident in terms of the analysis skills I know, but there's some elements of analysis I won't know. There are some fields I will not know. And so you need to have confidence also, an independent judgment to say within a room full of people, I do not know this but I'm able to refer you to someone who does. Um, and I feel like everyone back when you first start, you're like, that's the be all or end all because you said, no, I don't know what this is and I don't know how to approach it. But actually you're respected more and your client respects you more and your team respects you more. When not only are you able to refer to someone else because you, you yourself know by level of confidence this is not something you do understand it you know it really does take time to understand that there there's some elements of knowledge that you will not have and it's okay to say no so I think confidence comes from years of practice confidence also comes from being able to say I don't understand something and being able to because once once you only understand something you can only understand something once. And what I mean by that is once you've understood it, you've understood it. It's a concept within your head. Once you've asked the question, it's there. So there should be no fear. Take it, There should be no fear. You should, in fact, have courage to say, I don't know something. So the next time you do. It's as simple as that. So I would say time, confidence to say that you don't know something um, is what developed my confidence in a, in a weird circular way of things yeah I I get what you mean um mm. that sort of transparency to say uh I don't know something but I really want to learn mm. how has that been for you as a woman of color to to admit that you don't know something because um my experience has been that it's a bit scary to admit that you don't know something because mm. for women who are in a minority or underrepresented in some way, um, or for people who are underrepresented in some way, uh, we try so hard to kind of show that even though we're underrepresented, we can do it all. Yeah. So how have you sort of navigated that? Yeah, so I would say it's very be it's been different in different office spaces. So my first office space was very challenging. It was, you know, it was I was the only female on my team, and I was the only black person within that team at all. And it was in the middle of nowhere in Derby, um, and it meant that you know the educational stance from that environment was so was so quieted and, and so small it meant that they hadn't visited other townships or, or neighboring townships who understood various cultural elements so they would ask me rather inappropriate questions and within that 
stance or within that environment, it was really challenging at points to say, first off, I, I don't know something. Um, yes. Um, but I think that being in that environment enabled me to do better in my next set of environments because I understood whereby I felt uncomfortable. Um, I'd be able to say, okay, now I recognize that a certain question um, is inappropriate um, and it does not make me feel comfortable. And I should be able to say um, in my next field of work very confidently that I, I um, just from an educational standpoint, this is not acceptable to talk about this kind of thing and we can talk about something else. But in my first environment, I had to kind of coax my way of thinking, is it better to, and this is the thing, you can scold someone, um, you can fire someone in terms of cancel culture, which is, you know, the immediate thing that we do. But to educate someone is so much better than to just, you know, fire someone. Yes, it's a, a lesson to all. But actually, the greatest stance you can take in a, a working environment or any environment that you're in is to educate them and tell them why it's not acceptable and understand culturally why it's unacceptable um, understand the roots of a term or a word, um, why it can't be used. Um, and, and that in itself creates room for, for change. So because I had been exposed to that level of kind of insecurity and, and, and the thing is, most of the time, you also need to understand that they will have a level of insecurity themselves to have approached you with that question or to say or to have asked, are you competent because you're female? Um, it's actually an insecurity reflected within themselves, I believe, personally, you know, to have a builder, which I regularly did in my first firm, to have a builder um, call up and ask for a specification of a, of a, a steel component, a lintel above a doorway, um, and hear a female voice and, and be so taken aghast and be so taken aback and ask, who's the lead on the team? Mm. Um, at first, you are dissuade and you are disheartened, but your, your, your response should be, actually, I am competent. My educational background is as such, so I can specify this. And if your team lead allows, which he should, you should be able to continue that discourse and dynamic because you're competent to do so. So having confidence to say what you've just said, I, I understand that you are dissuaded, but I do have the background. I do have the education um, is important. And yes, it doesn't. Sometimes it cannot. Um, it cannot distill ignorance it, it, it is very hard especially when it's generational but the more you show your level of competence and the more that you approach it with a level of grace is so much better than to you know stick with stigma and the thing is the, these stigma terms or stereotypes you know I'm an angry black woman I'm okay to say I am angry or I am upset when um I am upset when I'm approached because they feel I have a lack of confidence be, or competence, sorry, because of my, my skin color. And I should be able to, in that instance, say, actually, uh, I have the same competencies that my fellow colleague has. And if you would like to continue with this, call, if you don't want to continue with this call or dialogue, I can, I can tell you fully now that you will receive the same answer that my colleague will give you and you will have wasted your time. It's having grace and confidence to know how far you've come and to, to know very well that your educational standpoint or background is what should enable you to be able to answer these questions with authority. If you feel as though you are threatened by someone approaching you and saying that, but you're a woman of colour, are you sure that you'll be able to? That in itself, I think, um, that insecurity has been created by constant microaggressions by society, which, which honestly can only be distilled by you ensuring that you have a level of confidence because of your educational background. If I allowed microaggressions all the way up from my, um, my A-levels to carry on to now, I will not have achieved what I have achieved and I will not have been able to, you know, 
continue with the career that I'm on because in my further math class my math teacher actually told me um and it was I'm still this day and age it just really fascinates me when I reflect on it but he said something so bizarre in a class full of only five of us um he said um I heard this statistic um that black people have smaller brains than white people um but obviously it's been distilled and discredited um, and carried on with the rest of the lesson. And if I'd allowed that that source of microaggression and that miseducation to be ingrained within my understanding, I would have left that further mass class, chosen a different discipline, and not become an engineer. Yeah. So it's it's a mindset. It's a mindset of confidence and assurance in the level of education you have and your abilities. Do not allow set microaggression, microaggressions, as well as miseducation to undermine your abilities or undermine your potential. Because most of the time, it's sadly enough, it's just, they've just been miseducated. And the best you can do is say that actually you're incorrect and, and, and raise your hand or, or be like, I have to stop you there. And, 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 this, and I also feel that there's, an, there's a grace in the way that you say it as well. Mm-hmm. It's almost like teaching a child. You know, when I teach my nephew or um, yeah, one of my nephews, um, when I'm trying to engage with them and trying to help them understand, you know, talking back is actually not right. It's not appropriate. There's a way that you can say it rather than slap them across the back in the African way. <laughs> you can actually instill them with a new lesson and a new culture of learning. And they go away and they reflect on it and say, oh, actually, I understand what you've said hitting someone or scolding them or immediate you know it it really does not help you know education is actually our greatest deterrent against ignorance and literally I think it's Oprah that said that and I completely agree with it because there's so many people that say you know a, um, a brown person or black person cannot achieve this level of you know seniority or cannot achieve and these statistics which are are disheartening and it's true mean that you as someone that's brown or someone that's black will go away and be like oh well if it's not possible some people do this and I understand why if it's not possible why should I try but actually why not be the statistic that 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 changes things when you're in a higher position you're able to have a level of influence that no one else can which means that you're in a pool and authority to say this is not right people need to be heard and people need to be seen the problem is right now we are at a disservice and that no one within that pool especially within my my career right now no one within that pool is up in that hiring authority um and the only influence or change or sphere of change that can happen is with me or with people that are like me at this level and so the only way that you can distill very kind of stupid and ignorant comments is to have assurance in your education and grace and join as many STEM podcasts, join as many um, diversity campaigns, try and create as many webcasts and, you know, web campaigns as well within the business that reflect on Black History Month or a cultural day so that people distill those, you know, f- those previous assumptions they had or those thought processes processes and move on from them it will take generations for that to change it will literally take generations because our ancestors and previous generations have instilled very stupid (laughs) misunderstandings um and that's and I do believe that's that stems from xenophobia and and xenophobia I believe is the first like original sin where people are scared of something that's foreign and people are scared of something that's new and that happens in our work cultures in our offices something's different from me Ooh, rather than something's different from you the first question you should ask is oh um you know I'm really interested about your culture. Can I ask about this? And there was a grace with which you can say it, whereby your understanding uh, understanding is open opens up and you're transparent about it. Um, and it creates a better work 
culture it creates a better world so if someone does ask me a really inappropriate question or it's just like oh because you, do you have many black people that you know study engineering or do you have um, many libraries in Africa my first, I, I don't you know snipe at them or give them a snooty I actually say actually we just we do you know we, we're no prize winners we're just understanding your your cultural background is a necessity because it gives you confidence every mm. single culture has something that you should be proud of that stems in that culture you can say so long as you've educated yourself as well you can come with incredible arguments um incredible statistics as well I always find that I'm in a family of lawyers and politicians so they'll always be like where is your evidence where's your evidence so if someone does come up to me and, and and says I'm anything less than I am I can simply say actually I'm not there's a misunderstanding there um, my color has nothing to do with my level of understanding it is my brain and my mind and my capacity to do the things that I'm doing over the you know the years that I've done it so it's confidence and grace to talk back and education as well, being able to give people statistics and, and evidence as to why something they've said is wrong, um, enables them to understand. I think statistics and news and um, figures enables them to see that there's a gap in their understanding and hopefully they humble themselves <laughs> in the process. Yeah, I mean, while I'm listening to you, I'm hearing about a superpower. Um, because basically, um, what sprang to mind was this saying that I've heard, which is, um, instead of trying to carpet the world, just buy yourself a pair of comfortable slippers. Hmm. Um, and that just kept like that. in mind because you know it sounds like on your journey and I've experienced this too is that you come across all sorts of people mm, right? you do and rather than going through the exhausting process of trying to change every single person's attitude you know trying to sort of I don't know like reverse people's ignorance and lack of mm. culture lack of open-mindedness and all of this stuff like just build yourself up mm. and you've really done that and you're doing that in your career mm. and it's just so powerful to see a woman who's like wow what you've just said is so minded I know oh. that i I know that mm. I have the right to have the authority on this subject. It's like mm. so powerful to see, you know. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. It, it's taken time. It really has. It's, it's been a grace, <laughs> to be honest with you. And I think education really helps me. Um, I, I do stay. I'm, I've come from a background or my father um is very keen on us understanding our history and very keen on us understanding our heritage and why it's so important. I think a lot of people just have a view that, you know, we're the developing world or, you know, I'm a British-born Nigerian but by background. So in terms of Nigeria or West African countries or just Africa, there's always just this, you know, there's so much pain and, there's, and, and yes, there's the disparity between the poor and the rich is, is just frightening. To understand that there is so much wealth and 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 that our culture is so rich in its elements that you should be proud of it wherever you are is really important. And I faced this growing up. I'll be, be honest with you, as a British-born Nigerian, I faced this two-sided coin where one side I was um, brought up in an all-girls, you know, boarding school in the country with only white females me being only black and and having obviously internal insecurities because of that mm. I didn't understand I'd go back home and I'd be you know shrouded and just surrounded by my cousins and my family and love my love my culture and somehow feel 
when I go back, I, I have to hide it and I have to be instantly more more British and more safe and safe hairstyles, mum, no braids and safe this. Um, and then I realised, actually, um, the more I read as well is really important. And I'm very glad that um, the, um, the government and then parliament are ensuring that schools within their history incorporate black history as well in some cases, which is brilliant. Um, because my school at that time, all I learned was, you know, World War One, World War Two, typical, typical history, history lessons, nothing about my own culture. And my dad kind of, and my mum pled with me and said, listen, read these books, Ring, read Things Fall Apart by Chino Achebe, read people from your own tribe, like read about what they've written about, learn about the Biafran War, learn about our history and our culture, and you will better understand yourself you'll better understand what your own name means and it means that when you're confronted in any situation around the world whether I'm in Australia whether I'm in the Netherlands whether I'm in the UK I can boldly say I know who I am and I'm confident in myself my abilities my capabilities in terms of getting thus far and can yeah and can argue <laughs> with passion and authority so it, yeah it's, it's what's kept me Understanding your culture, because a lot of people just condemn their culture as well. You find that whether you're British-born Asian or you're British-born um, African or you're, you know, British-born Jamaican, like you find a lot of people are just so, and it's more so because of the way society as well um, treat you being different or, oh, that's interesting. It's so interesting how your food is different. Interesting. And this interesting term comes a lot. Um, within the context of, of things and because you hear it so often and you hear this kind of undermining tone um, that's just kind of yeah under the water you end up discouraging your kind of own culture as you grow up and and then you have a lot of people that are like are lost um, not understanding themselves and so when someone does interrogate them and does dismiss them um, they're not able to corroborate or co correct them in any way or, or see that there's no no validation of, of truth from what they've said or see that it's unjustifiable because within themselves there are insecurities because one culture maybe our own culture has rejected you because you're too British and then the other culture has told you that you're too black to be part of that culture Instead, I make the best of both worlds and say, actually, though I'm born here and there are so many elements that I admire here, I very much also admire my heritage and it makes me stronger. Yes, there are, there, there are certain situations that I cannot tolerate and certain evils going on within my, my, my home country, but there are so many things I can be proud of. Having diversity means that you have innovative thought in processes, in business, businesses, in organizational cultures. Um, it means that our, our network of understanding grows. It means that there's more potential for growth. If everyone is the same and everyone thinks in the same way, your bus there's no room for your business to expand. There is no room for your business to grow. No two heads should be the same and no two heads, I believe, should come from, you know, the same environment. I think it's so important we have diverse cultures. It means that one person in the room might have a different understanding of a world and have seen something different compared to another, which means that their contributions are, are brilliant in their own way because it means we can actually solve world problems. Um, I remember being... Um, we were doing a project for um, an asset near Kenya. Um, and what, no, actually, I'll use, no, I'll use a different example, actually. We were looking at an, um, a project in Asia with the human um, factors team. And what I didn't understand, which is I really should have understood, is that the cultural practices when you call someone on the phone is if they're a junior grad or they're younger, um, they will refer to a principal engineer and they will call them auntie or uncle or sir. Because within that field, yeah, exactly. So within one culture, 
um, authority and seniority and age is very important to them. So I should, you know, as an engineer, I should also have communicative abilities and understand that everyone is different. And so within that circumstance, I should be able to respect that situation and respect the fact that they would rather, you know, ha have someone senior speak to them or, um, it's understanding these certain cultural nuances and being respectful about them that actually makes greater contributions and greater global organizations as well. Because if we're so stuck in our own way of thinking, there's never room to improve and there's never room to grow at all. So, yeah, I think, I think that's my answer before I, before I go off on another mm -hmm. tangent. You've given me so much to think about because um, I actually don't know much about my heritage. Um, mm. And often people say, um, what, you don't know how to speak your mother tongue? Um, mm. You know, my dad is Sri Lankan and my mum is Malaysian. And I don't mm. know how to speak either of those languages because it was never mm. it was never a common language at home mm. with English um, mm. and but that's not a reason to not pick up a book and read about the countries that I'm from um, but there's very much a culture um, that I've grown up with which is we managed to get to the UK we managed to escape not oppression, but like escape a less, uh, rather than escape, we managed to get to a place that will offer a better quality of life, a place that will allow us to have better lives, allow us to work, to get an education um, compared to where we've come from. And it was almost like this culture of like, let's forget about where we're from. Let's forget about all of that um, difficult life and let's focus on being in the UK. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I was born in London, um, but I have always had a very massive missing piece to me, which is that I don't know mm. where I'm from because it was not encouraged that we ever revisit that. We're here now. Mm don't need to mm. worry about where we're from we can create yeah. ourselves whatever we want and so there was this mm. real culture of like get the best education you can get because that will be your identity you know mm. Mm. And so listening to like your perspective and your parents kind of wanting you to be proud of your roots um is actually a really beautiful thing because that is what makes you so diverse and so unique and so special. Um, it does. Why not be proud of that? Exactly. Um, genuinely, I feel like even when a movie comes out, for, for instance, when I divulge, I'm sorry, this is an engineering podcast. <laughs> but when I watched Black Panther, the first one, I was absolutely amazed and yes you know all the thematics and everything was just fantastic and you know they made everyone look really cool but for me it was just how they molded and united African countries together um, and also the fact that it was based on um, it was based on a Dahomean tribe of, of um, Amazon warriors that fought against um, um, white slave settlers um, in the 19th century and they were this incredible strong group of, of black warriors female tribe that went out with spears and decided to fight these invaders and for me like black panther represented it represented that it, it showed our history very well and a lot of people don't realize that it is based thematically on that history but for me I, it just made me feel so proud of what um, especially Shuri, who is this fantastic engineer and this genius. Um, I was just like telling my little sister that see how brilliant we can be. I mean, to this day, I, I look for examples. I lo look for evidence. I say to this day, no one knows how the pyramids are created. To this day, 
we actually there's so many things that we've created um so many tools that we've created and did so many incredible things that would make marvel films billion dollar marvel films <laughs> out of our lives and our history that you need to understand because without being able to, you cannot i believe personally i believe that you cannot stop yourself from repeating the same mistakes that you repeated in the past if you do not understand your history and we continue to repeat history today in in cycles with brexit and all sorts of things with xenophobia and because we do not learn from our history and we do not understand our history we do not see that we're doing the same things again um and so this is why i appreciate historians and researchers and people that make make films out of our history because it gives you an appreciation of yes how far we've come but also how much we're kind of yeah repeating or dooming ourselves by doing the same things we were doing 100 years ago so i believe that history is is so important and understanding your own heritage as well or you know your dna or your genetic culture um just makes you understand pieces of a puzzle so much more um it makes me understand me more um i i i read this article um that people from my tribe are supposed to be very determined and money making um and it's because they had these 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 um yeah these oracles that would tell them that these these ebo people this is what they're like and then i just started to kind of pull and i'm by no stretch of the imagination into you know anything that has to do with star alignment or astrology or i'm not that kind of person but understanding that oh i come from a really strong people i come from people that have um that are headstrong and diligent and determined and work hard to get where they are um and are confident um made me all the more understand oh wow so so this is who i am um and i should be proud of my heritage because i come from people that are like that i come from stubborn people okay but it's not good to be too stubborn <laughs> so uh, self examine yourself and see where you know there needs to be a change understanding your history understanding your heritage helps you reflect and be like oh there's some things i've been ignorant minded about actually what i've said here could be distasteful or it could harm um my way of thinking or harm someone else as well so also understanding that there's another party whether they're black asian white um knowing that respect comes from both sides is is really important as well so yeah how do you deal then because it it sounds like you have a very um clear idea of what you know and what you don't mm. know and what you mm. want in terms of change mm. uh, how do you deal with um being blocked by ignorance because we've talked mm. about how we deal with handling ignorance with grace and with confidence but what happens when you literally can't get through because of generations of just nope sorry we're not doing it that way like mm. in engineering um there's like you know standards and regulations which will not change because they're based on historical development um and you just know that it's not the right way to do things i mean you often are going to parliament you know how do you deal with just being blocked towards progress mm. it's really challenging um hmm, how do i deal with this i would say i first have to think about an of an example where this is it where this is within my lifestyle so probably i'd say hierarchy within the organization and it should be a flatter structure this day and age within engineering is a problem how do i deal with hierarchy i would say reverse mentoring i think that reverse mentoring when there's an absolute block and that person does not want to listen 
at all. <laughs> the only thing you can encourage to team leads, to directors, to senior management CEOs, hiring committee, is encourage that they enforce reverse mentoring, um, especially when that one individual or group of indiv individuals does not want to learn and see that the world is changing. I think that blockage as well, if, if reverse mentoring can't happen within your business, I think the only way to deal with that blockage is writing about it. Well, for me, I'm a writer. So blogging helps, talking helps. Um, also speaking to mentors is, is highly, it's really important because speaking to mentors enables you to see whether they, and, and I don't say to go with a mentor that looks like you, but I do believe that having a mentor that has been through similar issues and understands your background and the struggles you faced is very important because not only can they, you know, identify with them, um, they're able to give you tools which enable you to understand how you can approach them. So I would say speaking to your mentors is really important. I would also say writing about it is very important, but in a safe way, encouraging your business as well to enlarge their belonging, inclusion and diversity teams and being an advocate or um, or representative in some ways and, you know, an Eden Eye champion is really important to start to break down these blockages within your business. And I would um, add that patience. Patience. Because, because I've found over my career, um, I mean, let's just call me middle-aged. Um, what I found is that uh, sometimes I'm up against really senior people, you know, the aunties and uncles that you talk about in Asia <laughs> need to sort of respect. Um, yeah. Also seeing much younger people um, doing things differently in a really refreshing, uh, so refreshing. perspective and respect mm. that even though they don't mm. have decades of experience like they're mm. they're recalibrating the way we do things in a good way so it's kind of like when you're sort of middle aged as in you're at an age that's in the middle of senior and newcomers it's mm. like um learning to have respect for all those perspectives um then mm. having patience on top because it's like the amount of times that I've been condemned for mm. doing what I do because I'm just being so radically different. Yeah. Um, I'm pushing my way through the negativity of doing something different, the resistance. Mm. Exactly. And not crumbling under that resistance. It's, Sometimes it's I just have to be hard. Patient. Gone and just said to myself this feels right in your heart this feels like the the right thing to do the good thing to do so keep doing it because your intentions are pure um and and just accepting that people don't get it yeah it is it is a patience thing and the thing is I've learned how to be patient because not only do I have um, obviously sometimes a cultural gap people might say because I was born and raised in the UK but also I would say just the age gap between me and obviously my father my father was very old um, and it means generationally his way of thinking is just very um, archaic <laughs> and somewhat outdated at points and I found that in those situations the best way is to find a, a means of communication we as a society now are wedded to our phones my dad will not understand media no matter how many times I try and drum that into him so the best way is to literally draft up a piece of paper and talk to him manually and just show him why something is wrong or or literally on the most basic and in the simplest way I possibly can and sometimes it literally just takes understanding the means of communication that you're dealing with and so 
yes, it, it is patience and patience really is a virtue, which is why they say, you know, you have engineers come from all different backgrounds. You have some really bright, so there's some engineers that perhaps might even be on the spectrum. Um, they might be brilliant and autistic. Um, so they might have a means of understanding something super quickly <laughs> and be like 10 steps ahead of you understanding a calculation. Um, and then it takes patience um, and just asking the right questions and slowly getting there because questions will enable you to understand other people's thought processes as well. Um, why do you think that way? Why don't you want to sit next to that person? Why don't you? This is like dealing with a child. Again, I always say this, but with children, they kind of see the world in black and white. And sometimes they will literally just ask you loads and loads of interrogative questions and be super inquisitive. But why this? But why this? And that's actually helpful because you get to the root of the issue. For instance, what what if a child and, you know, God forbid a child says, I don't want to sit next to this person because of, you know, their skin color or something. You start to dis degrade and, and just disintegrate that chain of th thinking by asking first why. And you go down and you keep on and then finally they understand why their logic is incorrect, why they cannot think that way. And the child learns and the next generation learns, too. It's really as simple as that patience and having the time to ask the right questions and to continue to ask those questions. And also, I know it's very hard not to be offended. It's very hard not to take offense when things are just right in front of you or you're being blocked or but some you need to understand that some people just have a lack of understanding entirely um a pure lack of understanding and it's up to you um to understand what their means of communication is and I know that's a burden <laughs> it really is a burden that's been put on and placed on us and we and we sometimes say why should I why should I have to I'm angry it's important that you do so that the next person next to them also learns and it just becomes like a domino effect the next person also learns and they take that back to their homes and they enable a culture that understands more otherwise you just allow them to be stubborn and angry and lost and go back and repeat the same judgment and thought processes and there's no improvement and there's no change so adaptability is key yeah i would add to that that there's also like uh some really dominant monolithic um monopolized um thinking um mm. that is like you know they are what set the standard right now um mm. there's also these tangential kind of um change makers trailblazers pioneers startuppers you know mm. and team with the people that get you even if they're in a minority because by teaming up with these radically different ways of thinking or just refreshed perspectives or whatever one day they will become the monopoly but if you don't team up they can't gather speed you know they can't gain that momentum required to knock those uh, dominant forces. Mm -hmm. um, and in talking to you, like, you know, I can really see why your uniqueness um, can bring about change in parliament or otherwise. Um, I can see why, why it can bring about change. And it, it's, you know, I just see this like, point of light that can just you know become a floodlight one day I hope so <laughs> that's really my hope I, I really don't do want to build allyship and I think that the only reason why there is so much stubbornness is that I say this again our original sin is just fear of something new and fear of change if we've done things the way they've always been done and this is what my senior engineers say if we've used the same software for how many years chi we just need to continue to use the same software and just like but 
processing time and computational time and competitors, you need to think about other aspects. Our competitors are using innovative tools. They have also decided to expand and employ outside of the UK. It means organizations have a greater pool of innovation and minds from other cultures, which is incredible. And you just build your diversity hub and and so under giving them a pattern and just showing them on the board, this means this, and this means this, and this will peremptorily mean this for us, is what you need to do. And it takes patience on a drawing board. It really does. Um, it takes patience to, <laughs> to speak to older generations, too, who aren't wedded to their phones and aren't wedded to the new technical world and technology. Um, but if you are willing and able to sit down with that person and, and, and enable them to see the root or the causal relationship between two variables, they surely will understand. So, and you know yeah. what? You've done your bit. You've spoken up. Mm. That's already mm. a massive leap. You know, exactly. and I truly believe that speaking up is key. You've talked about the confidence to be able to speak up, which comes from within we've got our own responsibility to develop that confidence to be able to speak up and then once you've spoken up as loudly as you can you do mm. have to take your hands off it and just let um things unfold and that's where the patience comes in but you know what's key here is that you've spoken you know mm. you've shown space you've shown what you're you're capable of You've shown your vision. Um, and that's really all that can be expected of people like us who are underrepresented. Um, it's just so empowering and empowered as an approach. Um, and I've like just been so massively inspired by hearing you and, and the opportunity to interact with you because just conversing makes mm. me more um assured of the things that i'm trying to do through listening to the things that you're trying to do you know mm. it's it's really uh solidifying and there's like a million more things that i wish we could have talked about um but we've run out of time um, <laughs> you know i mean <laughs> Gosh, topics like um, juggling all the different dimensions of being a woman whilst in a very male-dominated society. and Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Honestly. That's like another episode. Mm. Um, Honestly. Do you have a quick, like, last wrap-up of how uh, you... Last wrap-up? Um, I think just I would inspire others to obviously... Um, continue to just educate yourselves, continue to learn and progress and open your minds. Um, the more you do, the more you'll see the world so much more clearly. Um, and it will enable you to relate to other people because to relate to other people means that you develop so many fruitful relationships um, across the board. And, and that will enable you as well to build your organizations um, and build cultures that are more conducive to the type of society we have now. Um, don't be scared of other people. <laughs> Feel There's a grace in definitely trying to approach people with all transparency and try and build real allyship. Try and build real allyship. Within your firms, um, you should have people that you are able to talk to if you don't understand something don't be colorblind be open to discussion you know embrace all ethnic backgrounds embrace differences you know and no two experiences should be the same you should understand that black experiences aren't synonymous you need to bear in mind that asian experiences aren't synonymous that black women um black disabled um, black men, they're all subject to different microaggressions. And so accept feedback and create a, an open place of trust and just 
and, and create a space to be available and listen to in and out of your offices, whether it's a coffee with your colleagues, 15 minutes of your day in payable hours is nothing. It's really nothing to sit down and better understand the world. So just recognize and, and celebrate and just do everything you can to just eradicate discrimination and bias. Um, bring voices to the table, host um, workshops if you can, um, and reach out to me if you want to. I'm happy to speak. Um, and I just want to take the moment also to thank Innovate because I've spoken to like a group of people that are just fantastic over the last two years, culturally diverse, open-minded, um, intelligent, wise people. And we're all so young, which is incredible, who are just able to offer so many viewpoints and reading sources. And they're still doing so much beyond what I'm doing. Trust me, my teammates are just incredible. Um, so, yeah, that's all I've got to say. And good luck. It's a crazy world out there. <laughs> Well, you know what? You are absolutely magnificent. Um, there's so much more to learn about what you're doing and, you know, what you're pushing for in terms of change and progress and all of that. And, you know, we probably haven't even scratched the surface. Um, but your magnificence has really um, shined through. And um, I don't know, even just even just in the hour, you have really uplifted me and probably my audience, um, if I can speak for them. Um, because what I walk away with after hearing you is that it's possible. Like change is possible, progress is possible, and it's all down to harnessing the power within ourselves to do good. For the world exactly exactly definitely so it's all down to ourselves thank you so much Lee. thank you thanks for listening and please do subscribe to this podcast and maybe even rate and review it if you can the more ratings and reviews then the more interest from those trusty algorithms which could help to increase the reach of this show and you can watch the video recording of this conversation on youtube for my new series called esteemed women it's all about self-discovery and self-evolution on innovation so as always be kind and loving to yourselves and i wish you all a great week